Hi, my name is Dan Ariely, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project who will have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives. On this week's program, Dan talks with Mike Norton of Harvard Business School about self-deception. Mike and Dan explore some of the ways we justify morally questionable behavior to ourselves and the psychological costs and benefits of this self-deception. Self-deception. What is self-deception? I think self-deception is uh, when we know one thing and know another thing at the same time. And we choose to believe the thing that happens to make us look the best. So uh, I can believe that I'm a nice person and I can do horrible things. And you should, you should think that if I do a horrible thing, I'll think I'm a bad person now. But somehow we can interpret evidence and filter it to still think that we're great no matter what we do. So is the idea that, and how is that different than regular cheating? Or regular deception? I think it's because you're cheating yourself. So if you think about... So I definitely am motivated to convince you that I'm a nice person, even if I'm rotten. Yeah. It's a little bit more curious that I'd be motivated to convince myself that I'm still a nice person if I do bad things, because I may as well just accurately perceive who I am. And yet we don't seem to do that. We seem to... No matter what we do, often we seem to still want to... Believe ourselves. Yeah. Um, and, and why do you think this is happening? Uh, there's a lot of theories about it. So one is, an interesting one is in fact that the best way to convince you of a lie, if I want to get something from you and it's not really true, is to lie to myself. Mm-hmm. And then I'll look completely convincing when I'm lying to you. Yeah. Because I believe it too. I think probably it's so a it's little like bit... So it's like poker face. It's it, to, it, how do you have a poker face if you don't yourself believe that you have a good hand, a better hand than you do, you can actually yes. uh, have a better poker face to be, be helpful. I'll really be sweating and anxious because I, I have two kings, but I'll feel like I don't, and you'll look at me, and it looks like I'm going to lose. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's the, uh, the theory. Um, and then uh, we've done some experiments on this. That's right. So. Cheating. Did... Cheating. So we, we let people cheat. So here's the, here's the idea. Imagine you're taking a... Uh, a test, like an IQ test, sometimes on planes, they'll have these IQ tests, and you can flip to the back and the answers are there. And sometimes when you're stuck on a question, you maybe just look back at the answers and kind of say, oh yeah, I would have got that. Yeah, I'm great on these tests, by the way. Yeah, because you look at the answers. <laughs> and then also while you're back I there... I start by looking at the answers. That's right. And then while you're back there looking at the answer to question two, you also kind of glance quickly at the answer to question three... And then when you flip back to question three, it's very easy to get question oh, three, yeah, yeah. too. If you know it's Napoleon. Exactly. Yeah, who was the guy? Ah, <laughs> oh, it's Napoleon, of course. Yeah. I, I learned that in grade school. And so we I want, knew it all along. <laughs> exactly. And you don't feel like you cheated, right? Yeah. So you saw the answer. Yeah. Not really on purpose. You were just checking your yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, Just do. And then you're in this uh-huh. ambiguous space where suddenly you got a genius score on the IQ test. And really it's because the answers were at the back. But your experience is... I'm a really smart person. Yep. And that's exactly the paradigm we use in these studies is imagine taking a test with the answers at the bottom and you can glance at the answers whenever you like. Well, it turns out you do a lot better on the test. Oh, good. The problem is we then say, how well are you going to do on another test without the answers? Oh. And people should say, well, let me think here. Wait a minute. And, and we tell people very explicitly that there's no, we don't tell them you can't cheat. We just say the experiment would be such and we describe it how it is. So it's clear that they will not be able to cheat and now they are asked to predict how smart they are. That's right. And And if they're at all sensible, they would say to themselves, 
I wonder if my perfect score on that first test had <laughs> something to do with having all the answers at the bottom. Yeah. At least they'd correct a little bit, and we find they don't correct at all. So they yeah. really self-deceive. They believe now that they would have, they knew Napoleon all along, they would have gotten it without the answers. And on the next test, they're going to know every general in French history also. Yeah. And we even pay them to be accurate. So imagine I said to you, you got to predict how well you're going to do. If you do that well, you get an enormous bonus. We're going to give you cash. You might think then people would say, well, maybe it was the answers at the bottom. Yeah. Nothing. No effect at all. So, so we, paid them, we paid them more money for each correct answer plus a bonus for being accurate. So it's right. always the best idea to try being as accurate as possible, and they, and they can't. <clears throat> and uh, one of my favorite studies there was the one with the certificate. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so in the real world, one of the things that happens in the real world is when we, when we self-deceive and, and think better of ourselves than we, we really deserve to, is that other people come to believe it as well. Yeah. So you, we see these cases of these politicians who claim to have been in active combat, for example, in Vietnam, and they really come to believe it, and it's on their resume and all these sorts of things. And then people elect them to office and say, wow, what an amazing guy, we should keep this guy around. So they be- self-deception becomes socially self-perpetuating as well. Yeah. And then you're really in trouble. Because not only do you believe it, but then other people keep telling you it's true and you're all the way down years okay. later. And then you're found out and, and you're doomed. And so what we did to simulate that in the experiments was, you take this test, you got the answers at the bottom, you just you, you kill the test, you do amazingly well on the test. And then we give you this beautiful certificate that's all nice and handwritten with your name that basically says you're the greatest test taker we've ever seen. And then we ask you, now that you have your certificate, now how well are you going to do in the next test? And now people think they're even bigger geniuses than they were before. So <laughs> yeah. being validated for your own self-deception yeah. increases the extent to yeah, which you... Yeah, now you have a certificate. Actually, exactly. you know, uh, I had this... Uh, the, the first thing I think we talked about in terms of doing the experiment was to get people to compete in something and then ask them to go to the edge of the room and pick whether they deserve a bronze, silver, or gold medal Mm. for that. And the idea was that people would go, they would cheat a little bit, they would get the next medal up, and showing that walking around with this medal hanging around their chest for a little bit about their their skill is going to get them to to do even better. We also talked about having the person who got the highest score come up to the front of the room and everyone would clap, give them a standing (laughs) ovation, and that that would really do it too. So, So it is... It is the idea that people can, uh, we're very good in convincing ourselves that we're better than we really are, and then if we get the world to recognize it in some tangible way, a medal, a certificate, something on the CV, it could become, uh, we can forget about it, we can start uh, believing it to a higher higher degree. Um, I should say, by the way, that, that sometimes people will ask, well, maybe it actually comes true. So maybe if I believe I'm a genius and you treat me like a genius, maybe I'll actually become a genius over time. One of the things we do in the experiments is after you make your prediction on the next test, we make you take it, and you're just as stupid as you ever were. So it doesn't look like it actually has some magical effect. It really does cost you to think erroneously. I mean, you could imagine it with kids. If you get them to believe in some things, they might work harder in school. There might be some long-term effect, but it's clearly way out of... Way out of proportion. Yeah. So, so if you think about the good things about self-deception, which is probably allowing us to feel comfortable with ourselves and believe that other people like us and yeah. we are smart and capable and so on, and the damage that it can cause in terms of our false, false beliefs, what, where do you come on the balance? Is, is self-deception good or bad? Should we, should we, if we could eliminate it, right. would, should we? Probably not. There's also another kind of interesting self-deception that we haven't talked about, which is 
uh, positive illusions about your partner. Uh-huh. So as it turns out, people who think better that their partner is better than their partner really is are happier in their relationships. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's better for your partner for you to think you're better than you are. So I think there's this interesting balance between uh, erroneous beliefs that are a little positive and yeah. having to deal. So it's nice if I think you're great. It's not so nice if I think I'm great and you have to <laughs> wake up to me every morning. <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, I know you're great. Uh, so maybe some self-deception in some aspects, particularly in terms of this, uh, convincing yourself that your uh, partner is better. Maybe your kids. Mm-hmm. Then that could uh, that sustain be people. Yeah. Maybe financial things, let's so. Work-related aspects, yeah. let's, let's so. Those may have bigger costs. Very good. This has been Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast with economist and New York Times bestselling author Dan Ariely of Duke University. Dan's latest book is The Honest Truth About Dishonesty. You can subscribe to the Arming the Donkeys podcast and learn more about dishonesty, irrationality, and other human quirks at danarielli.com.